Good morning. It is the 5th of January, 2024, and we were promised that fiducius supplicants would not have a clarification, that there would be no further things said by the Vatican on that subject. And then as Catholic Sat said on Twitter, that took three weeks before it changed. And actually, it took less time than that to change, because within a basically a few days of Christmas, suddenly Cardinal Fernandez found himself going on a clarification tour of Europe, going to the German bishops and other places, telling them how they're supposed to be implementing this. Good luck to you, Cardinal Fernandez. Good luck. He's attempting to have his cake and eat it too. And I want to start this by reminding people of something very important here. There is, I've been, I finally, like this last month, finished uh, the more than a year-long project on this channel of going over the writings of St. Vincent of Larens, a doctor of the church, specifically his work, The Combinatory. He wrote it to combat heresy and novelty. And if you haven't watched those videos, I would recommend you do so. I'll need to check to see if I have a playlist for them. It's on my list of things to do if I don't. It's such an important work because Francis kept citing St. Vincent of Larens as if he was okaying novelty, when in, react in reality, when you actually read the combinatory, St. Vincent of Larens is coming down against novelty, against changing the faith. So here's what St. Vincent of Larens had to say, because the document admits to having novelty in it. So here's what he has to say. Two brief quotes from him. The first, true piety admits no other rule than that whatsoever things have been faithfully received from our fathers. The same are to be faithfully consigned to our children, and that it is our duty not to lead religion whither we would, but rather to follow religion whither it leads. And that is the part of Christian modesty and gravity, not to hand down our own beliefs or observances to those who come after us, but to preserve and keep what we have received from those who went before us. And he also says, all novelty in faith is a sure mark of heresy. That having been said, Yesterday, a clarification to fiducia supplicans was released, and it admits it containing novelty, but wraps it in magisterial teaching. That is a contradiction, as we'll see. And one of the things to remember, the classic way the modernists get you to believe anything is to reiterate the church's teaching on something and then say, this is how we're going, this is how this new thing we're introducing that looks like it actually contradicts church teaching, but actually upholds it this is what we're going to do now. And then they contradict church teaching with something. And that's exactly what this document does. Here's a breakdown shared on Twitter. I want to, well, the clarification of the novelty, but it does wrap it in magisterial teaching. But I want to start here because some people have asked about this. Who has actually accepted the, the actual document? So we, somebody shared this on Twitter. Somebody actually went through this as of January 4th, yesterday. So you'll see, this is based on public statements by bishops. This is why you only see 56 bishops have actually said anything total. Okay, 56 bishops. But here's what we have. 58.9% of the bishops who have said something publicly have rejected the document. 10%, 10 bishops or 17.9% have accepted it. They're the ones in green. And the um, another 23.2% have basically accepted it with reservations. All my links, this will be in my show notes at returntotradition.org, which by the way, I do recommend people follow that page. 
through like your RSS feed, RSS feed or whatever it is you do to just follow the page there because it's a good way to actually um, get updates when sometimes YouTube doesn't share, you know, my channel notifications with you. But I wanted to share that with you as we start talking about this because Rorate Chaley has the full documents. I mean, you can read it on the Vatican website, but I actually preferred, uh, you know, the Rorate Chaley posting on this. So Rorate Chaley has this document for us and their headline is pretty good, but let's try to zoom in here for you to make sure we can actually, oh, come on. <laughs> All right, let's zoom in a bit so people can actually follow along. They say that Tuco Fernandez pours gasoline on an ecclesial crisis of his own creation. Full text of the desperate Vatican press release. That is a perfect way to characterize this. Um, but here, let's start with what Rorate Chaley has to say. They say, quote, in his notorious fiducia supplicants, Cardinal Fernandez wrote, quote, beyond the guidance provided above, no further responses should be expected about possible ways to regulate details or practicalities regarding blessings of this type. Now, having sparked an international furor, Cardinal Fernandez has been forced to issue a lengthy press release striking back at the numerous bishops' conferences who have rejected his attempt to, quote, develop the church's perennial magisterium into its opposite, a novel counter-magisterium. In his latest polemic, Fernandez's tone is almost unbearably condescending towards the many eminent prelates who have prayerfully and reverently resisted his attempt to change church practice on his own without consulting them in defiance of scripture and tradition and the bishop's own teaching authority. With almost unbelievable arrogance, Fernandez calls his two-and-a-half-week-old fiducia supplicants, quote, the perennial doctrine of the church. Uh-huh. Indeed, fiducia supplicants is a sharp departure from Vatican II's theology of blessings in its attempt to fabricate a new blessing that is not found in any official church document. Good luck finding a reference to pastoral blessings in anything before this document. Good luck. If you find something, please let me know where you found it. The most charitable case for fiducia supplicants is that Fernandez sought to embroil the church in an obscure theological debate on the nature of blessings, knowing it would be horribly divisive during a time of crisis in the church and the world. The disaster that he created has been compounded by his attempt to, quote, win the argument with his latest missive reproduced below. So here it is, the document with the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith. We're going to go over this a little bit, maybe not in full, but we're going to, um, there's some really funny things in this. So it's a press release issued on the 4th of January yesterday. We are writing this press release to help clarify the reception of fiducia supplicants while recommending at the same time a full and calm reading of the declaration so as to better understand its meaning and purpose. One, doctrine. The understandable statements of some Episcopal conferences regarding the document fiducia supplicants have a value of highlighting the need for a more extended period of pastoral reflection. First pause time. A need for more extended period of pastoral reflection. You're going to find in this document a lot of calls for people, the bishops especially, to just stop complaining, to reflect until, and keep reflecting until they can accept the document. You're going to see that a lot here. What is expressed by this Episcopal conferences cannot be interpreted as doctrinal opposition because the document is clear and definitive about holy matrimony and matters of the flesh. There are several indisputable phrases in the declaration that leave this in no doubt. And now they're quoting the declaration here. This declaration remains firm on the traditional doctrine of the church about holy matrimony, not allowing any type of liturgical rite or blessing similar to a liturgical rite that can create confusion. 
One acts in these situations of couples in irregular situations without officially validating their status or changing in any way the church's perennial teaching on matrimony. Therefore, rites and prayers should create that could create confusion between what constitutes matrimony, which is then defined in the traditional way the church has always taught said. But if you say it in those that language on, on our wonderful host platform, you might get into some trouble. And what contradicts it are inadmissible. This, conv this conviction is grounded in the perennial Catholic doctrine of matrimony. It is only in this context that relations suitable to the married state find their natural, proper, and fully human meaning. The church's doctrine on this point remains firm. Such is also the meaning of the responsum of the congregation for the doctrine of the faith, which states that the church does not have the power to impart blessings on unions of persons of the double S variety. For this reason, since the church is always considered only those types of relations that are lived out within holy matrimony to be morally licit, the church does not have the power to confer its liturgical blessing when that would somehow offer a form of moral legitimacy to a union that presumes to be a marriage or to an extramarital, etc., etc. Sounds fine, mostly, right? This is how the modernists do it. Spoonful of sugar first to make the heresy go down. Now I want to have my wife make a uh, Mary Poppins style thumbnail for Cardinal Fernandez. Next time I have to talk about him. <sighs> my apologies in advance for that. <laughs> anyway, let's continue. Evidently, there is no room to distance ourselves doctrinally from this declaration or to consider it heretical, contrary to the teaching of the church, or be blasphemous. The, the document's not blasphemous or heretical because we first gave you the church's original teaching on this. Let's continue. That's what they're telling you. Some bishops, however, express themselves in particular regarding a practical aspect, the possible blessings of the couples in a regular situation. The declaration contains a proposal for short and simple pastoral blessings, neither liturgical nor ritualized, of couples in these irregular situations, but not of their unions, underlining that these are blessings without a liturgical format which neither approve nor justify the situation in which these people find themselves. Let's pause there. The original document explicitly says, Couples multiple times are getting the blessing. A couple is defined by its union. You cannot have a couple without its union. That's how you define one. And we'll talk about that in a minute because I'm not the only one who kind of noticed that word game. Tim Flanders just, just shredded this argument here. We'll talk about that in a bit. Documents of the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith, such as fiducia supplicants and their practical aspects, may require more or less time for their application, depending on local context and the discernment of each diocesan bishop within his diocese. In some places, no difficulties arise for their immediate application, while in others it will be necessary not to introduce them while taking the time necessary for reading and interpretation. Again, this is another one of those reflect and reflect and reflect on it in, con in your context until you learn to accept it in the ways that they outline as are acceptable in this document. Some bishops, for example, have established that each priest must carry out the work of discernment and that he may, however, perform these blessings only in private. None of this is problematic if, is, if it is expressed with due respect for a text signed and approved by the Supreme Pontiff himself, allegedly, while attempting in some way to accommodate the reflection contained in it. Each local bishop, by virtue of his own ministry, always has the power of discernment in loco, that is, in that concrete place that he knows better than others precisely because it is his own flock. Prudence and attendance to the ecclesial context and to the local culture could allow for some different methods of application, but not a total and definitive denial of this path that is proposed to priests. Meaning, 
The African bishops who said no in unison are not allowed to say no in unison. The Polish bishops who said no are not allowed to say no. Your local bishop who may have said no is not allowed to say no. That's what they're saying here. And they go into the delicate situation of some countries. It's not exactly unknown that there are a lot of places in the world where that if a James Martin type person comes out and declares that they are a big fan of the James Martin topic and that that's, they identify with it, that that's probably not the smartest thing for them to do. That there could be some very, very, very real consequences for it. The document goes on and says those places might not be prudent to give blessings, but that the bishop should then reflect still on the document itself and accept the document, even if they can't give the spirit because the blessings, because it would be imprudent to do so. Let's jump down to the real novelty. Again, remember St. Vincent of Larens is warning about novelty, because where novelty is, there's heresy. The real novelty of this declaration, the one that requires a generous effort of reception and from which no one should declare themselves excluded, is not the possibility of providing the blessings in question. It is the invitation to distinguish between two different forms of blessings. The first being liturgical or ritualized. These are the, these are the traditional blessings of the church and their new one, spontaneous or pastoral. The presentation clearly explains that, quote, the value of this document from Fiducius Supplicans, this is a quote from it, is that it offers a specific and innovative contribution to the pastoral meaning of blessings, permitting a broadening and enrichment of the classical understanding of blessings, which is closely linked to a liturgical perspective. This theological reflection, based on the pastoral vision of Pope Francis, implies a real development from what has been said about blessings in the magisterium and the official text of the church. That's the novelty. They affirm what the church says, has always said about something, and then they give you the workaround for it with this pastoral blessing. That's the novelty. The church says this, but we can still bless things that the church says you can't do through a informal, spontaneous pastoral blessing. I'm reminded, I've been reminded when reading this, of what happened in the year 1515 when Pope Leo X changed the church's teaching on usury. 1515 is an interesting year. If you've been paying any attention whatsoever to history, then you know that right after that was when the Reformation started. Usury is another sin that cries out to heaven for justice. And what followed the changing on that church's, on the church's teaching on that topic was not good. <laughs> it was the Reformation, the so-called Reformation. Let's get back to this. In the background is found the positive evaluation of popular pastoral care. That's a new term, which appears in many of the Holy Father's texts. In this context, the Holy Father invites us to value the simple faith of the people of God, who even in the midst of their sins emerge from their everyday lives and open their hearts to ask for God's help. But the, here's the question. What are they asking God's help for? If the document explicitly said that to receive such a blessing, the persons in question would need to have the spirit of repentance, to actually have repentance, that they could come to a priest and ask for a blessing explicitly to help them exit the errors that they're living in, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. We'd be actually all very surprised at the orthodoxy of the statements. But that is not what is happening here. There has been no call to repentance. Continuing, for this reason, rather than the blessing of the couple in the regular union, the text of the dicastery has adopted the other profile of a declaration, 
which is much more than a response or a letter. The central theme, which invites us especially to a deeper pastoral practice, which is enriches our pastoral practice, is to have a broader understanding of blessings than the church has ever had in its history, <laughs> and of the proposal that these pastoral blessings, which do not require the same conditions as blessings in the liturgical or ritual context, flourish. Consequently, leaving polemics aside, that's people like me, apparently, and people like Tim Gordon or people like Taylor Marshall or Tim Flanders or Dr. Kwasniewski, as we'll see in others who have responded to this. Anybody who doesn't agree is now engaging in polemics, they say. Leaving polemics aside, the text requires an effort to reflect serenely with the heart of shepherds, free from all ideology. You notice that since Christmas, since this document was issued, Francis has been really hammering on the concept of ideology. This is why. If you do not agree with what he's saying, if you hold to what the church has always said about such things, then you are apparently seeing the world through ideology and not through the eyes of faith. Although some bishops consider it prudent not to impart these blessings for the moment, we will all need to grow equally in the conviction that non-ritualized blessings are not a consecration of the person nor of the couple who receives them. Okay, then what do they get? What, what's happening here? They're not a justification for all their actions. The word blessing comes from the word benediction. It means to make something good. And they're not an endorsement of the life they lead. That's literally what a blessing is. When the Pope asks us to grow in a broader understanding of pastoral blessings, he proposed that we think of a way of blessing that does not require the placing of so many conditions to carry out this simple gesture of pastoral closeness, which is a means of promoting openness to God in the midst of the most diverse circumstances. This is what we call sophistry, which is the, in the world of philosophy, is about the closest equivalent to heresy as you're ever going to find. This is just mental gymnastics. All right. That's not all the document, but I, that's enough of that document, at least that part of it. If you want to read the full thing, please do so. I have it linked in today's I will have it linked in today's show notes, return to tradition.org. There are some takeaways we should have from this. The first takeaway is that the cultural context are not good for the James Martin types to get their pseudo blessings. Then obviously don't do it. That's what they're telling the bishops to do. But the bishops still need to submit to the spirit of the document by affirming that the document is good. And to drop all this talk of it being heresy and novelty, despite admitting to being novelty and breaking from the church's traditions and violating the faith, they're told to do that, even if they're in a place where they'll never be able to give a blessing because of the reality of the world around them. Second takeaway. In those countries, the bishops should actually work with local authorities to not make it dangerous for the James Martin crowd to make to be public, unrepentant sinners. It says that in the document, in that part that I skipped over when I started talking about that part. It actually says that, that they should work with the local authorities to change the culture. I really, really want to see somebody hammer on this. Someone who is not as restrained as I am. And I really want to see the Pope splainers, especially the ones who are much more in line with the, the progressive spirit of the age, explain how that's okay. The document admits that spontaneous blessings are an innovation. Catholics have always been told to reject innovations theologically, and the document admits to being an innovation. It says rejection of the blessings decree is because of ideology, which Francis has spent the last few weeks lashing out against. And really, he's been lashing out against ideology for a long, long time. But it's really, it was really weird watching his addresses in, during the Christmas season so far be talk with, filled with talk about ideology. 
And finally, the document claims that those receiving the blessings must live according to the gospel. The document never defines what that means. Those actively living in uh, those actively in sin and celebrating and identifying with their sin honestly believe that the gospel is just a call to love. And by love, they mean just being nice and helping people out. After all, Jesus said, judge not, right? They believe that the gospel does not mean telling people the truth about the consequences of sin. It never defines what the gospel is. And that is the crux of this. How many times have you gotten in an argument with somebody who said, well, Jesus just said to love people, but they never define what love means in a Christian context. It means willing the best for another, meaning willing to lay your life down for another person so that they may have the best. It's exemplified anytime you look at a crucifix. And love means telling people the hard truth about the consequences of what they do. There have been some interesting responses to this document. I uh, absolutely love the the uh, some of these responses that I've seen. Um, if I could find some of these, because I've got a lot of tabs open right now. Hold on. <laughs> I have a lot of tabs open. Um, apologies for the clumsiness of this, but I'm there's one in specific that I'm looking for. And unfortunately, I may have lost it, or did I forget to do it? Well, I can just tell you what it said, but uh, the one of the responses that I saw was that from Father Gerald Murray. <laughs> he said, he just described this in the best way. He said, this, the doc, this clarification is self-contradictory garbage. And when I read that, I really got the feeling that he would use much, much stronger language if he were the kind of man prone to using the kind of strong language that most of you watching this probably not comfortable hearing. Those of you who, you know, maybe avoid watching movies because of the language in it, you kind of get the feeling that he, if he was the kind of man to use that language, he would. <laughs> it was probably my favorite of the responses. But um, <laughs> Tim Flanders over at 1 Peter 5, <laughs> my hat's off to you. If I had a hat today, if I was wearing a hat, it would be, I'd, I would take it off to you, Tim. That was, your response also was, was top tier. Again, too many, too many tabs open. Let's see if I can fix this a little bit so I can actually show you what I'm trying to talk about here. But here we go. Tim Flanders had this to say. He said, in his piece, Vatican clarifies the clarification of his blessings. You go down here. He, he, he just says this. It's ridiculous. He says, quote, as we said before, the 2021 document disallowed blessings of the, these types because the people we're talking about, the couple types we talk about don't even exist. Only individual persons can be blessed. But Fiducia claims that double S couples exist and they can be blessed, but not their unions, says the new clarification of the clarification. What then is a couple? How does a couple come into existence except that they have some union which unites two individuals into a couple? One plus one equals two. <laughs> Tuco is claiming you can have a two without a plus in between the two ones. This is not explained, but the bare claim is asserted as a development in the original fiducia. Yeah, that is what we're talking about here. And I, this this is why this document is just the, the most annoying kind of, of mental gymnastics that you could ever, ever possibly see. And then we got this. 
the Pope and Fernandez spent more time thinking through the clarification that they told us wasn't needed because the first document was so clear. The clarification adds nothing except a promise. We swear we aren't heretics when we teach heretical things. <laughs> that is also a really good response to this. And the, the responses to this have been all over the place. Um, I also want to show you Father Kramer. A lot of you are fans of Father Kramer. Maybe you, maybe you're like me, you're friends with him on Facebook. Um, Father Paul Kramer said the following, Bergoglio and Fernandez, prudence and attention to ecclesial context and the local culture could allow for different methods of application, but not a total or definitive denial of this path that is the proposed to priests, says Fiducia Supplicants. And to which he responds, bishops have responded with total rejection of Jorge and Tuco's depraved heresy. What's Jorge going to do? excommunicate entire bishops conferences no pope in all history has ever decreed such a heretical evil thank you Tuco, for providing that your boss is a heretic and an intruder on the papal throne you're both openly separating yourselves from the bishops of the catholic church said in uh father kramer's uniquely uniquely spicy way of saying these things michael matt also elsewhere said he pointed out that in practice, what's happening is the blessings of unrepentant public sinners. And I'm going to point out to you that the Vatican is never going to to actually correct when these blessings happen for unrepentant public sinners. Um, I mean, because that you know and I know that that's not going to happen. Pastor Jimmy Martin, of course, chimed in, which, which surprises exactly no one. If I can find my tab with him on it. Father James Martin has of course, always been one who celebrates this stuff, but he is also a, a consultor to the dicastery for the community, for the communications dicastery in that in Vatican city, meaning he's got like the best inside scoops of what's coming. And he also knows the intent of these documents because he is so well connected to Vatican city. He quotes just this one statement in here. Is it not more appropriate to support their faith? whether it be small or great, to assist them in their weaknesses with a divine blessing, to channel that openness to transcendence, which could lead them to be more faithful to the gospel. Which is good. I mean, commendable. it's commendable to lead people to the gospel, right? Except the problem is that if you're rejecting the actual moral implications of the gospel, you're not living in accordance to the gospel. The whole point of the gospel is to be free from, is that the, that we are freed from the consequences of sin through the merits of our Lord earned for us on the cross, right? And that that comes with a certain way of living that you're expected to do, which was what our Lord spent his earthly ministry teaching. Pastor Jimmy and Cardinal Fernandez don't realize that for someone to have the faith authentically means accepting all of the faith, including and especially its moral teachings and not persistently living in violation of those teachings. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. You can take the sin and question out of this, and we can go back to the, to usury. The old one of there are four sins that crowd to heaven for justice, and Pope Leo the Tenth changed things. And what happened to me two years later was the Reformation, which unleashed more than a century of chaos in Europe. The problem is, for this to be a celebration of their faith, this blessing, they'd have to be living faithfully. Sin separates from the one from the church in many ways. And it's not in a schismatic way. You know, you're not in schism with the church, right? You haven't been automatically excommunicated for most sins, but it does separate one from the fonts of grace until you repent and make use of the sacrament, which brings you back into full communion with the church. It's why in the Novus Ordo they call it the, the not sacrament of penance anymore, but 
the sac I can't even remember what they what's that word, but it it's a, the sacrament to bring you back. That's what confession is for, because sin separates us from God. There's no call to repentance in the documents issued or in the clarification. The one call to repentance in the document issued is for the bishops who resist the document to repent of resisting the document. But there's no call to, ref to repentance for those committing sins that sacred scripture and the traditions of the church are unequivocal about. It's still opening the door for acceptance to the, by the church, knowing full well heretical priests and bishops will continue to implement this the way we've seen it being implemented. And that is the point, especially when you connect it to synodality, the decentralization of the church that they're proposing, where doc, matters of doctrine and by extension dogma will be interpreted by the laity authoritatively, which is completely not Catholic. I want to end this with giving you Psalm 118, and I'm using Dewey Rams for this. So we, the Dewey Rams, Psalm 118. If you, for some reason, are using one of the more modern, like, if you're using the New American Bible, please get something else. The New American Bible, like, there's a whole series on the Ascent of Mount Carmel channel explaining the many heresies in the New American Bible translation. It's a terrible translation. But if you're using, like, a modern one, then this will probably appear as Psalm 119. But this is Psalm 118 according to the Dewey Rams. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who search his testimonies, that seek him with their whole heart. For they that work iniquity have not walked in his ways. Thou hast commanded thy commandments to be kept most diligently. Oh, that my ways may be directed to keep thy justifications. Then I shall not be confounded when I shall look into all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned the judgments of thy justice. I will keep thy justification. Oh, do not thou utterly forsake me. But what doth a young man correct his ways? By observing thy words, with my whole heart have I sought after thee. Let me not stray from thy commandments. Thy words I have hidden in my heart, that I may not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy justifications. And it goes on. Psalm 118. In a more contemporary translation, Protestant-friendly translation, you're going to see the Psalm 119. But I think you get the idea. We are called to repent of our sins. And if that document had been unequivocally calling for people to repent of their sins, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We might be celebrating an Orthodox turn from Rome for once. That's not what we got. All they did was just double down. And now you've got Pope Splinters out there blaming tra traditional Catholics for sowing division. Really? <laughs> okay. If you have the eyes of faith, you can see that when the original document says blessing couples, it means blessing couples because you cannot bless a couple without blessing what makes them a couple. Scripture is unequivocal about that. That we can't do it. Modernists want to have their way and they, tr they sell you error by simply wrapping it in what sounds like orthodox teaching. And in this case, the fiducia supplicants and the clarification begin with reiterating what the church has always taught. And then it says, well, we're going to get around that by doing this as a spontaneous pastoral blessing without a call to repentance being firmly attached to it. I understand if, if a person or persons who are wrapped up in sin approach a priest and ask for a blessing that they may emerge from their life of sin and live according to the law of God, wanting to get a blessing. 
That's fine. No one disputes that. Good priests, I would bet Father Paul Kramer gives blessings like that to people. Now, maybe not the people type of people we're talking about here, but people wrapped in sin in general. I bet you he's done it. I bet you any good priest has. But that's not what the document's asking for. The document is opening the door and has already opened the door for the church to accept sins that cry out to heaven for justice. All right, let's take a look. Sacrament of Reconciliation. Yeah, I don't know why I couldn't remember the word reconciliation, but there's truth in that title, although I don't I do not approve of them changing the name of the sacrament. But there's work, there's truth in that. Can anyone define the user is defined in 1515? I had a tab open for it. Like I said, I've got like 100 tabs open right now, which is why I've been having such a hard time finding this. Robert Richard says he shares the indignation in their days where I question why I walked to the church in the midst of all this. You walked in because our Lord called you at a time when the church needs people who will defend the faith. That's why. Welcome to the, uh, welcome to what we're doing. The uh, put on the armor of God. But yeah, sacrament of penance is what it was called. And then after Vatican II, they changed the name to the sacrament of reconciliation. Um, let's see. AJ Young says a friend who says the Latin mass is schismatic is multiple sons in seminary. They're faithful family. This has to be having an impact. I'll pray for her boys. How is the Latin mass schismatic? How can possible, how can the mass, the tradition, the mass that developed organically from the apostolic age to 1962, how can that mass be schismatic? I've never understood anybody who says that. Never understood that. Or any other liturgical rite. Let's not forget all the beautiful various liturgies that are both in the Latin West that are not what we call the traditional Latin Mass or of the Eastern Rites. The Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, the Liturgy of St. Charbel. How can any of those be considered, would you call those schismatic? <laughs> They're ancient. <sighs> okay, I'm looking, at a, looking for, there's a specific comment I'm looking for because somebody apparently talked about um well no i can't find it but it's, it's fine uh, i would suggest that people embrace what a traditional catholic reminds of that yesterday vegano called for heroism of holiness and I, that's absolutely true we live in a time that is called for heroic virtue in addition to resisting these things forcefully if need be verbally forcefully is what i mean we are Lent is not far from now. Lent begins on the 14th of February. For those of you who are married and normally have Valentine's Day plans, you may want to <laughs> do your dinner on Shrove Tuesday like my wife and I will be doing. Lent is coming. Let's make this coming Lent count. Start preparing for it now. Think about what you're going to do. Offer your sacrifices at that time because... Heroic virtue needs to be cultivated. Becoming saints is what we are our best way to overcome these errors. And Fernandez isn't going to stop issuing these documents between now and then, or even during Lent. That's why I always tell people, don't tune out of what's going on at the time. It's a bad idea simply because you're going to come back and wonder what happened. <laughs> the There are synodal listening sessions going to be happening. I'm working on a video for that for the coming days. There's synodal listening sessions going to be happening during Lent. 
So please offer your Lenten sacrifices for this stuff. Harmony says it's still Christmas. Yes, it's Christmas until Candlemas, but it's never too early to start thinking about Lent. Especially if you're going to take on a more robust uh, personal sacrifice. Marmar says, Australian confraternity of Catholic clergy do not support the document. Well, that's good. The document just called them out, though. It did not by name, but it basically said that there is no scenario where bishops can oppose the document. Would also mean your confraternity can't either. I will, at this point, field questions in the chat from people to see what questions anybody may have. And I would recommend also um, be prepared to have to, you know, defend the, the basics of the faith on this subject in the coming days, because that's just where we are now. <laughs> Violet Vem says she can't even break sugar. Um, I did it with a ketogenic diet. That's what I did. Uh, yeah, Marmar says, yeah, very early Lent this year. It's true. Easter's on like March 29th or something this year. It's very early. It's one of the earliest days of the year you could have Easter. Colleen says she will offer up her Lent for the Pope to change direction and see the error of his ways. That's a that's a valid thing to offer your Lent for. It really is. All right. Uh, Chris says, blessings according to that document go against most of the nine ways one might be sharing in the sins of others, as well as the first spiritual work of mercy, which commands instructing of the ignorant. It does. It absolutely does. This is why I love doing this so, and talking to people in the chat so we can come to see these things together. Ah, okay. Yeah, I I understand. Trust me. Um, um, I have ideas on how to do that in Lent if you want to to stay on that way of on that on that plan, by the way, during Lent. If you have if you want to email me, I can let you give you some ideas. Mary says Easter is March 31st. There you go. March 29th is my son's birthday. My wife and I have been having this like his first birthday is two days before Easter. And we're trying to figure out when to do his birthday. We'll probably do it Easter Monday, honestly. All right. Thank you, folks, tuning in today. Please, as always, pray for the church, especially in these times. I've got an interesting video coming up for you here in about 15 minutes, actually. So tune into that. Watch for that. It's uh, another one of these topics that, you know, there's a lot of news going on that are that are just getting overshadowed by these uh, things that I have to do in my live stream. So news video coming up in about 15 minutes. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.